I was upset. I didn't think I had what it takes. It took a while to admit anything was wrong. Diet and exercise sounded intimidating. But small, easy goals made it easy to start. Every situation is different. There are many paths to victory, but the end goal is all the same. This is the Weight Loss Podcast with Matt and Courtney, a couple who committed to a strategy and lost a combined 100 kilograms. When it comes to weight loss, you don't just need encouragement, you need a strategy. Hello and welcome to the Weight Loss Podcast. My name is Courtney. Next to me as always is my husband, Matt. Hello there. And we're very excited today because we are bringing you the 10 weight loss tips you need to know. Yeah, that's the 10 weight loss tips you need to know, not that you might be interested in knowing or might be useful depending on the situation. No, what we've got here are 10 tips that you, me, Courtney, everyone that we know who is interested in getting in decent shape, well, you need to know these things. So... Courtney and I can attest to the effectiveness of these 10 tips. However, I'll also just like to add that these 10 tips are also backed by quality research. So it's not just a couple of clown personal trainers pulling information out of their butts, which is a nice change for us. Yes. Not doing that. Uh, this is things that we've seen work personally and has been proven in research to have a positive effect. Mm. So obviously, Courtney and I, as, as PTs, we do get asked a lot of questions by our clients and even people who aren't our clients, just you know, friends, family, etc. So we figure that with these 10 tips, there's bound to be something in here that you will find rather useful, probably uh, a number of them I would suggest. So I think without further ado, let's just lay into it. Let's just uh, dispense with the fluff and just go straight for it. <laughs> let's just kick in then. All right, number one, eat breakfast within 30 minutes of waking. Yeah, this is, uh, this is obviously a very good one. So look, we'll keep this really simple to begin with. When you are asleep, your metabolic rate slows down. So your body burns less energy at rest. Now, I don't want to make that sound like I'm minimizing the importance of sleep because I'm not, as we're going to touch on later on during this show. But your metabolic rate slows down while you're sleeping. Uh, conversely, eating food increases your metabolic rate. Mm. So then, if we have just had a good sleep for a good you know, 7, 8, 9, 10 hours in some cases, we wake up with our, our metabolic rate being slower, what's going to help to kick things off? Eating. Yeah, eating breakfast. So uh, having a uh, having a high quality breakfast, and by, by high quality breakfast, I do just want to stress, I mean a whole food breakfast, not breakfast out of a packet or breakfast out of a plastic tub. I'm talking a good whole food breakfast uh, is a fantastic way to uh, kickstart your metabolism for the day and, uh, and get the ball rolling. Yeah, absolutely. So that's that covers not only the importance really of eating breakfast, but also having it in within that 30-minute window of waking. Well, yeah. I mean, pretty much you know, the routine you want to have is get up, go to the toilet, get dressed, go to the kitchen. Yes. Somewhere along in, in that order. I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you at your discretion choose the order of that that you wish. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, they say that that's really hard for them to just wake up and eat, but... 
it, 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 for a lot of people it is, but you can improve that slowly over time. So if you're someone right now who can't eat within three hours of waking, it might be something where you aim to just limit that, limit that, limit that. Is that, that. three hours or 30 minutes? Three hours. Okay. So, you know, you might be someone who wakes up and just can't even smell food. But don't try then to push yourself to do it straight away. Just limit that time well, until you it, can get it closer. Well, keep in mind, your body does what you've conditioned it to do. Yeah. So it's easy, and I know this from personal experience, it's easy to wake up in the morning not hungry because you're used to waking up in the morning not eating. Not eating, yeah. Where now, um, years down the track, I personally will wake up in the morning wanting to eat the desk, mm. chew my arm off, but that's because I've gradually conditioned my body to want breakfast when I get up. Correct. Okay. Yes, gradual thing. Moving on. Tip number two. Increase meal meal frequency without increasing total intake. Yeah, so this is where things can get pretty interesting, where common sort of misconception with the health and fitness, weight loss industry, etc., is that, well, if you want to lose weight, you need to eat less food. Mm, not entirely accurate. Do you need to stop shoveling quite so much shit into your face? You know what? That could be useful. <laughs> That could have some some merit. Yes. However, anyone that has started to make the change from having highly processed, energy-dense food to more unprocessed, energy-sparse food will tell you that you need to eat a lot more food to replace the processed junk you may have been having in the past. Yes. So limiting our intake, limiting our, our food intake, our calorie intake, etc., is a really good way to slow your metabolism down, which is, in conjunction then, a fantastic way to limit your gains, bro. To not lose weight. Yeah. If you're interested in not changing, I suggest eating less food. However, a really good strategy that you can implement through the course of, say, say you're doing a 12-week program. Mm. And you might start that program eating three to four meals a day. That's fantastic. That's a great base to work off with. By the end of that program, you could finish at six meals a day. Now, we're not talking about, oh, I've got to eat all that extra food. No, you take the total amount that you're having and just divide it up into six rather than dividing it up into three to four. Make sense? Yes. Sound good? So you might have um, three meals a day you just take a third from each of those three meals to make the fourth. Mm. And that's a really good safe place to start for a lot of people, just adding that extra one to begin with because you're not trying to overload or overfeed the body and smash your digestive system. So um, all you're doing is just subdividing the current daily amount into uh, smaller, more frequent meals. Over the course of a 12-week program, that, that does have a big effect. And not just on weight loss, but you're going to find that your performance in the gym is going to improve as well, which is, you know, I would class that as a pretty good thing. That's ideal. Yes. All right. Absolutely. Cool. Let's move on. All right. Number three, increase vegetable intake. Yeah. Now this one is kind of common sense, but still is worth talking about because as good as vegetables are, they're highly underrated. They are. And I think there's a lot of noise around. Obviously, as we know, Matt, we know there's a lot of noise in this industry. So I think that sometimes 
just the common sense things relating to vegetables gets lost. Well, look at it this way. Speaking of noise, there's a lot of uh, products out there that would be, um, you know, liquid vegetables. Talking about supplementing. Yeah, powdered vegetables. No, when I talk about here about increasing your vegetable intake, I'm talking about actually chewing through the bloody vegetables. Mm. So it's, look at it this way. Every single person I've worked with in my whole career, and now Courtney's going to be the same as she's getting more experience working with people too. Every single person we've worked with, including ourselves, as they have increased their vegetable intake, they've lost weight. Is there more to it than that? Yeah, there is. But the vegetables have a profound effect. So vegetables are extremely energy sparse. So they're not what we call calorie bombs, but they are rich in nutrients, vitamins, minerals, etc., and are a great way to sort of trick your metabolism into elevating because your body has to work to process the vegetables. Mm. So you're burning energy as a result of eating food. So it's a great way to keep your metabolism elevated, which is in turn a fantastic way to accelerate results. So through the course of a program, as any of our clients, any of Courtney and I's clients will gradually start to increase their exercise training, will also increase their vegetable intake along with it, just to keep things ticking over, keep the, keep the fuel coming in, keep uh, energy levels high, also stabilizing blood sugar and insulin levels, which will help to reduce muscle protein breakdown, which is not what we want. Uh, And obviously will increase uh, the fat burning process, which is a bit of a win. So the more we can hold on to our muscle tissue, the less, well, the more fat we're going to burn. Absolutely. Does that make sense? Yes. All right, cool. So I think we should move on to the next one. So that's a really, really important one there for number three. So moving on to number four is use cardio strategically. Yes. So it's very common for people, and I've been there. um, I'm sure Courtney's been there as well. Maybe you have too. Mm. You start a new program, you're excited, and... You're immediately going to launch into a five, six, seven, eight, nine day a week intense training routine with um, sometimes two, sometimes three cardio sessions a day. That's a fantastic way to kill your results. Mm. So cardio, keep in mind, exercise is a tool. It's nothing but a tool and a stimulus. So it's a stimulus No matter what exercise you do, it's a stimulus that says to your body, I want you to adapt in a certain way. So obviously, a lot of people want to improve their fitness as well as maximizing fat loss when doing any form of training, including here, cardio training. However, the body loves to be in routine. Yeah, absolutely. It loves for things to stay the same. It doesn't like to change. Anyone that's attempted to lose weight in the past will know the body does not like to change. We have to force it to change. So what we want, especially when it comes to our cardio training, is to promote something called inefficiency. Mm. So what do I mean by inefficiency? Very, very simple. You want your body not to get used to something. So let's give an example here of an endurance athlete. The easiest one is a marathon runner. 
A marathon runner gets better and better and better at running marathons because they are doing that over and over and over again. So for that specific purpose, that is what you need to do. However, that makes your body efficient. So you become a very, very good runner, but actually promoting you know, muscle gain, fat loss, etc., very difficult because your body's not inefficient. So this is where when we're, do, when we're using or, or performing a cardio exercise, a strategic implementation of what we call a, a rotational system can be very, very effective. So one day might be hill sprints at a certain angle. The next day might be an indoor Tabata session. The next day might be hill sprints again at a different angle. So at a different sort of slope. So we, we vary our exercise routines up. So I know Courtney and I uh, run our own gym and every single cardio class that we run with our clients in the gym is something different every time. Different movements, different timings, different frequencies. Sure, they are all within that 30 minute window that we have with our cardio sessions, but what they do within that 30 minutes is, is very, very, very different. So what we're looking for is a bit of a mix of low and high intensity sessions throughout the course of a program, varying up, as I said, timing, frequencies, in some cases, hills, exercise work, mm. etc. Uh, it's a good way to keep your metabolism elevated, which again, as I've touched on already, is a great way to uh, burn a little bit more fat. Yeah, absolutely. Keeping the body on, the t- on its toes. In this case, it's very, very useful, yes. Mm. So when, if I could, before we, actually before we move on, if I could just say, a trap that a lot of people fall into is, especially in the weights side of things, is they'll change their program every couple of weeks to mix things up. <laughs> Where you want to really mix things up is with your cardio exercise. That's what your body is going to respond best to. Because when it comes to cardio, the worse you are, the more effective it is. So you do not want to finish a session and go, oh, I could have done more of that. That just blunts the effectiveness of the workout. Absolutely. You want to finish your session and be like, holy shit. Don't talk to me for a second. I might A second. (laughs) Don't talk to me for the rest of the day. (laughs) So you you need to be awful at your cardio. So keep, keep mixing it up. Yes, absolutely. All right, moving right along to number five. So we've hit our halfway point of our... 10 weight loss tips you need to know. Number five is drink more water. This is one I am terrible at. Well, it, it, well to be fair, a lot of us are. Mm. Um, I, it's something I'm always conscious of mm. myself, let alone the people that, that I work with. So water, it, this may sound a bit weird, like you know, drink more water to lose a bit more weight, but consider that... Um, muscle and other tissues in our body are comprised of 80% water. So if, I, if we have a muscle cell that's dehydrated by even 1% to 2%, which, which is, is not, not much, 1% to 2%, a fraction, it triggers a catabolic process. Right. What is a catabolic process? You might be asking. Simple. It's the breakdown of muscle tissue. Not good. Terrible. Uh, that is that is the Titanic of exercise results is yes. breaking down muscle tissue. Uh, so not just breaking down muscle tissue when you're catabolic, it makes nutrient transport into those muscle cells very, very difficult. So your body struggles to process the food you put into it. 
And it also impairs recovery and hashtag gains mm. from training. By only that small percentage. Yeah, one to two percent. Mm. So, and keep in mind, like Courtney and I right now, we are expending water talking. Yeah, absolutely. Talking expends water. Breathing expends water, let alone when you add intense training to proceedings. So if you have your average person that works their nine to five job and then goes to the gym and you know works their butt off every day at the gym, they're going through a lot of fluid. Mm. It's got to come back in. It just have to come back in. So when fluid intake is increased, muscle cell volume increases, which is what we want because we're going to perform better. We're going to reduce the breakdown of muscle tissue. Increasing cell volume switches on anabolic processes. Anabolic is the opposite of catabolic. Anabolic is our friend. Anabolic is the good one. Anabolic is the very good one. So if we are anabolic, we're more likely to you know, restore and grow muscle tissue, which, hmm, common theme here, speeds up our metabolism and leads to increased fat loss. Yes. And I think with, with drinking more water, I think as well, there's a really big misconception or well, not necessarily a misconception, but there's a lot of noise around that as well. You know, some people say you have to drink your water with lemon in it. Some people say you've got to drink warm water instead of cold water. Some people say you've got to drink five liters a day. Well, that's <laughs> that's dependent on the person. Yes. So if you are someone that might be averaging one liter a day, well, you're not going to go from one liter a day to three because you'll explode. Correct. You might go from one liter a day to 1.2. Mm. And then go to 1.3, 1.4, just gradual increases. So all of us could could do with a, you know, maybe a little bit more in our system, but you're not going to go from having very, very little to having a lot overnight. So start gradual and use common sense and listen to your body. Absolutely. When you're full, you're full. Yes, absolutely. Moving on to number six, consume the majority of your calories during the day. Yeah, so there has been research that has looked at diets of relatively or fairly lean people. And something that they have concluded or noticed is that the um, these population groups that are lean are consuming the majority of their calories, aka their food, during the day. So... The idea here is that the researchers are believing that by consuming the majority of your calories or your energy or your food during the day, more of that energy is burnt off as fuel and conversely, less of it is stored as fat, which is a bit of a win. Mm. Now, to be fair, I will say this. If you are the, the sort of person who can only schedule in your intense workouts at night, that's fine. Go for your life. It's not going to sink the ship. No, you'll still I, get great results. Absolutely, of course you will. Um, I I have uh, alternated between uh, working out early in the morning, middle of the day, early evening, even later in the evening, based on you know the, the jobs I had at the time. Um, and in the end, you work out when you can work out. Correct. That yeah. is point number one. However, if you are the sort of person who is working out during the day it should be fairly easy to consume you know, the majority of your, your food during the day. Mm. But this, just to point out, Matt, this, this is not saying that you know after 7 o'clock at night you shouldn't be eating. 
<laughs> or something like that, which I know there's a lot of noise around that sort of um, diet theme where you're supposed to eat all of your meals before, say, 6 o'clock at night or 7 o'clock oh, yes. at night. Sorry, isn't, um, isn't this the part where I say, yes, look, you shouldn't consume carbs after 5 p.m. on a day with a full moon because your body will turn it to fat? There is a lot of noise out there, isn't there? There's a lot of noise a around lot. the timing side of things as well when you're supposed to eat food and when you're supposed to be finishing eating for the day. So just to clarify, this is not that. Can I always give an anecdotal yes. um, example here? Please do. So me personally, I generally, actually 99% of the time, I'll have um, two of my daily six, sometimes seven, meals at night. Mm. So if I'm having two of my six in the evening, how many am I having during the day? Four, which is the majority. That um, I personally find that to be um, a a sustainable uh, routine, one where you know I feel satisfied, I feel energetic, I feel full, I perform fantastic, and uh, I get those gains. Absolutely, and I think when we've spoken about stretching out your meals over the course of the day, so you are able to get in more meals more often, mm-hmm. I I think then, you know, you've got to realize as well, you've got to look at these sort of things in terms of common sense and think, okay, I'm not going to squeeze in six meals before seven o'clock at night. No, like no, no. that's just not healthy for your body. And then you're not eating from seven o'clock at night until six or seven o'clock the next morning when you yep. wake up. Yep. Um, it's a really long time for your body to be in that resting state. And it's also, I personally find it uncomfortable because well, I'm bloody starving. I, I and, and just like Matt said, I, I have to eat not too long before I go to bed. Uh, otherwise, I will wake up in the middle of the night hungry. Yep. yep. So, I like it. All right, moving on to number seven. Consume a high amount of your daily calories post-training. Yes. Post-training yes. nutrition is a really big one. Yes, massive. Um, I obviously couldn't agree anymore. Uh, so we know... Well, okay. Anyone who has exercised with any sort of intensity will know that in the following hours afterwards, they're going to be rather hungry. Starving. So that what that means in terms of your body is that your metabolism has been elevated considerably because you've just gone and pushed yourself. You've expended a fair bit of juice in the tank. What does the tank need? It needs more juice. Okay, cool. So as good as intense exercise is for our bodies, and it does obviously, as I said, elevate the metabolism, it also does cause a lot of stress on our bodies. So by stress, I'm talking about tissue breakdown. So intense exercise by itself works by damaging our bodies. A lot of people make the mistake of thinking your body changes during the exercise. No, 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 no. Your body changes during the hours when you're not exercising and it changes in a way based on the exercise that you've done and the food you have put within it following that exercise. So if we are the sort of person, and I have been there in the past before I was you know, taught how to actually do this, if we are doing intense training and following up that intense training, be it weights or cardio, and we're following it up without any sort of food, supplementation, etc., that's a fantastic way to well, really just destroy 
any potential benefits we would want to see from that exercise. So it can be very easy to actually destroy muscle tissue following intense exercise without replenishing what mm. goes back into it. Now, based on the theme of this show so far, if we are destroying muscle tissue, what are we doing there? We're slowing our metabolism down. So we're kind of sabotaging our results, aren't we? Now, after intense exercise, it's it, it, the best thing to do, I find, and I recommend this for the people I work with, is to think of your body as a dry sponge. It's going to soak up whatever you throw at it. Now, this is where those foods that apparently are the devil and are no good for us, you know, carbohydrates, <laughs> you know, those bad things. Yes. This is where carbs. they work. All carbs. Carbs. All carbs. Don't come near me. Actually, give me all the carbs. Yes. This, this, is, this period after you've exercised is when your body is going to put those carbohydrates, those naughty things we shouldn't have apparently, it's going to put them to use in the most effective way possible to restore energy levels, to feed our muscle tissue, to rest- just to restore carbohydrate level in the human body. Carbohydrate being the preferred fuel source of the human body, we just expended those carbohydrate stores. We want to bring them back up, don't we? Mm. Really, we do. So... Research has shown that the nutrients consumed in the hours, the couple of hours following an intense workout are actually directed straight to the muscle tissues that have been used to help to, you know, boost the metabolism, repair damaged tissue, etc. This is really good. It's also been shown that um, this nutrient consumption following an intense workout does not interfere with fat metabolism. So this whole crap about carbohydrates make you fat, not if you have them at the right time. They actually work for you. Now, anyone, especially like if you're listening to this and you've done what I've done in the past and you have tried to be the sort of person who exercises intensely, frequently, without having carbohydrates after a workout, you will know that your workouts often suck because there's nothing left in the tank. So not only do we want to obviously you know, in, improve our metabolism, improve our fat metabolism as a result of training, we want to perform at our best. So after you've had an intense workout, get those carbs into you. Absolutely. Do yourself a favor. So moving- They're also really yummy. Yeah, they are very yummy. So moving on now to number eight. Don't replace whole foods with supplements. Yes. Please, please, please. All right. I'm going to do my best. Do not do this. We are going to do our best not to get on our high horse, horses, or our soapboxes, but we're going to. Straight up. Okay. I just want to say any diet, any program out there, that tries to tell you you can get the same result by having the majority of your quote-unquote meals as powders, as meal replacements instead of whole food, are full of shit. Yes. No thanks. Now, this goes back to our episode a couple of weeks ago on supplements. What is a supplement? 
it's exactly that. It's meant to supplement something else that you're doing. So you consider a supplement that extra 5% on top. It's not meant to be the 95% you do during the day. So, So a lot of people, you know, I can understand the desire to get in great shape and I can understand the desire to want to make it happen as fast as possible. So this is where it's easy to fall into the trap of smashing down supplements left, right and center day after day after day instead of actually just eating good old-fashioned whole food. Our body was meant to eat foods. Absolutely. Now, if we are the sort of person who is, you know, 85, 90, 95% of the time eating good quality whole food meals day in, day out, this is where supplements can really have a fantastic effect to give you just that little bit extra in terms of performance, mm. recovery, adaptations, etc. So the best supplements are really only going to give you the best effects that they can when they're consumed alongside a high intake of quality whole food, not in replacement of. How does that sound? Perfect. Yeah, so I'm now going to step off my high horse (laughs) and sit back down and we'll move on to point number nine. Sleep. Get more sleep. Yeah, get more sleep. I mean, it's, uh, it's kind of common sense. But it's still worth saying because how many of us could use uh, use a bit more sleep each night? Yeah, absolutely. I still could. I know Courtney still could. Chances absolutely. are you could as well. We all could. So there's more and more evidence out there showing that um, sleep habits and body fat accumulation or loss go hand in hand. As the old saying goes, success leaves clues. So quite often, lack of sleep now is being shown... Um, was being linked to people that have a high body fat percentage or people that find it difficult to lose a bit more weight. So AKA the plateaus. Mm. So getting that little bit extra sleep each night could be something that prevents a plateau or breaks it. Yeah, absolutely. So there's also uh, studies out there now that show overweight individuals do consistently have poor sleep patterns. Now, I personally can attest to that because when I was at my most my most overweight and my most unhealthiest, is that even a word? I'm not really sure that that makes sense, but I think we get the gist. Okay. <laughs> my sleep patterns were garbage. Yes. Absolute garbage. So I was the sort of person who would go to bed around about one o'clock, two o'clock and get up, you know, between seven and 10 a.m. Mm. Obviously sleep wasn't everything that did me. It was also my food choices, but it was part of the the bad habits that I had um, where I, a big part of my sort of transformation personally wasn't just the food I was eating and the liquids I was drinking and the exercise I was doing. It was my sleep patterns. And I found for myself, as I was making more of a, a conscious effort to change the way I was doing things daily, I didn't actually have to force a change of sleep habit, my body just started just getting, it just wanted to go to bed earlier. Yeah. And as a result, I would wake up more energetic, more refreshed. Now, this goes back to something I was just saying earlier. We all want the most results from exercise. We all want to perform our best. 
at the gym, at work, social events, whatever. Let's keep this simple. More sleep equals feel better. Absolutely. Seriously, more sleep equals feel better. But keep in mind as well, lack of sleep can really uh, wreak havoc on uh, glucose disposal and fat oxidation, which is another way of saying the way your body processes carbohydrates, the way your body burns fat, poor sleep patterns can negatively impact that. It's just the general stress as well it puts on your body. There's also the general stress. So if if you are looking to perform better, if you're looking to optimize your muscle gains, if you're looking to optimize your fat burning, I would start with an extra half an hour a night. Mm. Even I've seen it with clients that I work with. Even an extra half an hour can make a big difference, let alone an extra hour. But like any new habit, start small and build your way up. It's going to take time. It does take time. Um, I, I put another anecdotal little example here. I personally find I feel really, really good as long as I am in bed and asleep before midnight. For me, if I'm asleep after midnight, I'm feeling it the next day. Mm. Uh, But that extra half an hour, no matter what time you go to bed, that extra half an hour you'll find will make a hell of a difference. Yeah, and everyone's different. I need a lot more sleep than Matt needs, uh, for example, to function um, at our best. Uh, So everyone is going to be that little bit different as well. So don't compare how much sleep you get to somebody else. It's, It's... how your body feels on the sleep that you're getting. Yeah, we're all individuals. I know for me, I operate and feel my best on between seven to nine hours a night. I can, if I'm being a bad boy, staying up late, I can survive for a day on six hours of sleep. But if that becomes two days in a row, I'm gone. Yeah. Totally wiped out. Yeah. Uh, But I've known that through... um, Learning the hard way. Yeah, absolutely. That's Mm. how most of us find out. So moving on to lucky number 10, use whey protein to strategically promote fat loss. Yes, whey protein is uh, one of the very, very few proteins out there that has been shown in clinical trials to promote weight loss and fat loss. Yes. That's a humongous win. So what this means is, talking about supplements, supplementing with a high quality whey protein is a very, very smart move for anyone who would like to burn a bit more fat, which is all of us, Mm. let's be fair. But it's not just a case of, oh, okay, I'm going to randomly start smashing down cups of whey protein. No, 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 no. The timing is important. So it has been shown in some research that this goes back to the pre and post training we we're talking about earlier. Having some whey protein before and after your intense workouts uh, can be a great little tool, not just for promoting recovery from those exercise sessions, um, but for well, metabolism boosting. Yeah. I mean, not the best use of the words, but we want to boost our metabolism. Again, a key factor in changing our shape and improving our body composition. Another strategy that has been shown to work is to take a small serving of whey protein before a number of your meals each day. So we're talking about, uh, you know, half half a scoop of whey protein has been shown to uh, to make you make you feel fuller for longer, mm. which is obviously something that we want. 
if we're, you know, if we're the sort of person that has a habit of overeating, then improving the feeling of fullness can help to bring that under control. So having having a, a small serve of whey protein before, you know, two to three of your whole food meals a day is a fantastic strategy. And also having um, having a serve of whey protein before and after your intense training works an absolute treat. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And that, as they say, is that. Yes. Or is it? Mm, is it? So, even though Courtney and I have said in the past that we are the worst podcast ever because <laughs> all we do is over-promise and under-deliver, today, we're going to do the opposite. The 11th weight loss tip you need to know. Yes, there's actually 11. Yes, well, we wrote 10 and then Matt decided that... There was one that he had to have in there. So, bonus, there's now 11. Well, the funny thing is, there is this one I had to have in here. It is actually secretly the number one weight (laughs) loss tip you need to know. Yeah, these were not in any particular order of importance. But if we were going to put them in order of importance... This is number one. 11 is actually one. Yeah, here it is. Ready? Lift weights. Oh, my God. Who would have guessed? Who would have seen that was coming? No, I don't know. We never talk about lifting weights. Never so at all. Now, let's still take this from the top. Yes. Okay. There is the misconception out there that the only people that need to lift weights are buff heads like me, big bodybuilders, etc., and people that just want to get jacked. Mm. Actually, that is complete shit. Mm. If you are the sort of person that is interested in looking and feeling your best and looking good with your clothes off and your clothes on, if you're the sort of person that wants to to drop weight faster, start pumping iron. Do not be afraid. No. This is something that Courtney can speak to. When we first met, Courtney had never lifted weights. Nope. And when we started training together, all we did together was have her lift weights. So I can understand if you are a female listening to this and you might be thinking, oh, well, well, I don't want to, I don't want to look like a man. Don't worry. You won't. No. The way the females respond to weight training is very different to males. Females just get tighter, smaller firmer, more athletic. It'll actually accentuate your curves. It'll also build a fantastic booty. Mm. Males also do get tighter and more toned. We just tend to get bigger in many areas. So we get more narrow through the waist, bigger through the chest and shoulders, and we just look big. Big, yes. Athletic. Yes. Females get smaller. Yeah. So Courtney and I do the exact same training routine, or close to it, and eat very similar foods, but get very different responses from our routines. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So, mm. yeah, another, I think, misconception, but definitely lifting weights is so key to weight loss, to fat loss. Well, you know what? Not just key. It is, in fact, the cornerstone oh, absolutely. of anyone's training program, assuming that person wants to look feel and perform better Mm. if you don't want to look feel and perform better then i don't recommend lifting weights no but if you do just start yeah absolutely just start start with the machines in your gym 
generally we as as humans build these sort of things up to be bigger in our minds than they actually are. So mm. I can, as someone who never really did weightlifting until I met Matt, I can uh, definitely say that I know how, how it feels to be scared of that area of the gym. But again, I think we, we uh, build it up to be bigger than it actually is. And a lot of the time it's just a matter of just saying, you know what, I'm just going to give it a go. And you're just going to go in there and you're going to try out some machines. You're going to see what feels good and then just keep trying to improve and keep trying to better yourself. And it gets easier and easier just to walk in there and forget anybody else's in the gym and just do what you got to do and then get out. Can I share a story? Sure. It's, it's actually our podcast. So you're allowed to do what you'd like. It's your podcast, isn't it? <laughs> Share your story. Okay, thank you. Okay, so on the subject of being afraid to lift weights, I remember like it was yesterday, the early days when I first started going to a gym. Mm. To say I felt like a fish out of water was an understatement because here's me, very, very overweight, obviously very self-conscious, having anxiety issues as well. Walking around in a gym with people who just looked worlds apart compared to me. Compared to me, they all looked fit, strong, healthy, capable. And here's me, I could barely lift the bar. Mm. You now fast forward years later, I teach it. I teach it to trainers. I teach it to everyday people. Everyone has to start somewhere. So if you haven't lifted weights before, that's fine. There was a time when I didn't. There was a time when Courtney didn't. Give yourself permission to be a beginner. Mm. The sooner you start, the sooner you're going to feel better about yourself. And the sooner you're going to notice some really positive changes. And on that note, I reckon that's it. We'll call that one a wrap. We'll call that one a what? A wrap. Okay, so uh, we'll wrap that up. We'll call that a show. Well done, Courtney. It's been a big day. <laughs> so hopefully this has helped. The, uh, the 10 slash 11 weight loss tips you need to know. Hopefully you've got something out of it. By all means, please feel free to uh, give us some feedback. You can reach us at podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com. And on that note, Courtney, fist bump. Boom. We're going to call this one a show. Uh, we will see you soon. See ya. Get more free tips, listen to previous episodes, and contact Matt and Courtney at theweightlosspodcast.com.